Good morning, Eastside Church family. Our time in the Word this morning is going to be in Romans chapter 12, and I would love for you to uh, take your copy of the scriptures and follow along with us this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, Last week, I began uh, walking through this passage, and I mentioned last week that uh, this passage in particular, Romans 12, 9 through 21, Uh, particularly struck me as a very appropriate and applicable passage to the situation that we find ourselves in right now during this COVID-19 coronavirus crisis. And so I've kind of entitled these messages, these few messages that we're looking at in Romans chapter 12, as uh, Christians during a crisis. And I think the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 is giving us general truths, uh, general uh, principles of what it means to live out the Christian life at all times. But I think uh, in particular, uh, these have uh, a unique applicability to uh, a situation which uh, we find ourselves in a crisis and very difficult trying circumstances, because those are the circumstances that test our faith and uh, test the outworking of uh, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so I hope that these messages are helpful and uh, encouraging, help us help build us up in the faith, uh, particularly during this time. And so this morning I've titled the message, uh, Serving One Another, Serving the Lord, from Romans 12, 10, and 11. And I want to read these two verses with you this morning. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you that we can take these few moments that we have today to focus on your word. And uh, Lord, we thank you that the Apostle Paul has challenged us as believers to live out our Christian life. And Father, I pray that these two short verses that we're going to think on this morning uh, would be helpful to us in maturing us as Christians and helping us to put into practice the eternal truths of your word. So Father, may your spirit teach us today. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. First thing that I want us to see this morning in this passage is the necessity of serving one another. In this passage in verse 10, Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So Paul is telling us as believers the importance of serving one another. And in particular, in verse number 10, we see that serving one another needs to be motivated by love. Serving one another needs to be motivated by by love. We saw last week that love really is the foundation for this whole passage in verse 9 through verse 21. Uh, Paul began this section in verse 9 by saying, love sincerely or love genuinely, literally love without hypocrisy. And the word that he used there is agape. It is the word that is often used primarily in the New Testament of God the Father's love for us 
in the sending, the giving of Christ to be our Redeemer for our salvation. And so it is a giving, sacrificial, unmerited love that we as Christians are called to display to one another. And so Paul says, love without hypocrisy. So love undergirds this whole passage. But in particular, too, in this call to serve one another, this needs to be the motivation and the fuel with which we serve one another. In this passage, Paul uses three different words for love. And I think in using these three different words, he is kind of piling them on and emphasizing the importance of love in the Christian life. Uh, The first Greek word that he uses is agape, the one I mentioned a moment ago. And it is uh, primarily used of God in his self-giving love to us in Christ. The other word that Paul uses, and he uses it here in verse number 10, is Philadelphia. And you'll recognize that word. We have a city in Pennsylvania named after that. It is the city of brotherly love. And Philadelphia is a, a family kind of love. It is defined as the kind of affection or love that a brother or sister would have for one another. It is a familial sibling love of a blood relative. Yet Paul is calling us as Christians to have this kind of family, sibling, brother, sister love for one another. Why? Because we're part of a family. We're part of the family of God and we are now bound by something that is even stronger than blood. We're we're bound by the blood of Christ and by the bond of the union of the Holy Spirit. And so he's calling us to love with a family kind of love. And then Paul uses a third word for love in this passage as well. And the word is actually a, a combination of two separate Greek words for love. So Paul uses uh, the Greek word uh, philostorgos, philostorgos, which is a combination of philos, which means friend, and storge, which is, again, kind of a family affection, uh, a kind of love that parents and children would have. And so you take those two together, friend and a family kind of love, philostorgos, and basically what you have is, is a tender compassion and affection that also has a sense of loyalty and a bond to it because it is a family kind of love. And so uh, we have this uh, phrase, this clause, translated different ways in different translations of Romans 12, verse 10. So the NIV says, be devoted to one another in love. Uh, The ESV says, love one another with brotherly affection. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, the New American Standard says. Uh, The Christian Standard Bible says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Uh, Be devoted to one another with mutual love, another translation says. Love each other with genuine affection. Uh, The Contemporary English Bible says, love each other like the members of your family. And even though each of those translations is worded just a little bit differently, they bring out subtle shades of meaning that I think all kind of fit into this term 
philostorgos that Paul is using here in Romans 12.10. It's almost kind of like looking at a gem that has been cut and you see the different faces, the different edges of that gem. It's the same gem, but depending on on how you look at it, how you turn it, you see different reflections, different uh, ways of seeing it, different emphases. And, and so in these different translations, you, I think you see three key ideas in what Paul is saying here. One is the importance of family. He, the words he uses here communicate strongly the idea that we are part of a family, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ are one family of God. And this, uh, the word that he uses here also, I think, communicates the importance of genuine heartfelt affection. So it is the kind of natural love that family members feel toward one another. Uh, The kind of natural love that a parent has for a child. The kind of natural love that a brother has for another brother or a sister. And the third thing that I think this word emphasizes is the importance of loyalty and devotion. So a couple of translations say, be devoted to one another. Uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So there is a sense of family love, of a true affection for one another, but also a sense of loyalty, of commitment, of faithfulness because of the bond that we have uh, as one family. Just like uh, we have a, a, a natural inclination to stand up for, to defend, to help, a family member, there's there's a loyalty there. I think that's what Paul is kind of bringing to the, the surface here with this word, a family love, an affectionate kind of love, but also a loyal, uh, committed kind of love. And so this kind of love needs to be uh, what motivates us. And we also see in this passage that we need to be serving one another uh, with the love of a covenant family. So this word that Paul uses, uh, philostorgos, it it brings out these ideas of the fact that we are bound in covenant with one another. We're bound in covenant, one, because we're bound in covenant with God. We are members of the new covenant that we celebrate in the drinking of the cup and the eating of the bread. When Jesus held up those elements before his disciples and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, that is being shed for you. So we are in new covenant with God, but because we are together in new covenant with God, we're also in covenant with each other and we are a part of a body. In fact, in this very passage of Romans 12, verses three through eight, Paul talks about the fact that we are a part of a body and we have different gifts, different um, talents, abilities, Uh, ways of serving the body that God has gifted to us. And so we are in this together. It is a bond that we share as a covenant family. Be devoted to one another in a family kind of love. But then he also says to us in verse 10 that we need to serve one another in a humble and a sacrificial way. So serving one another needs to be humble and sacrificial. And he brings this out in the second part of verse 10 when he says, honor one another above yourselves. 
And this verse is interesting. There's actually uh, a little bit of uh, difficulty in translating one of the words of verse number 10. And the reason for this is because it's only used once in the entire New Testament. And Paul uses it here in verse number 10. And uh, what, what Paul is saying here is in terms of honor of one another, that part is clear. So he says, in honor of one another. And then he uses a word that the translations take differently. It's really a verbal adjective that describes how honor of one another should be. So how is it that we should honor one another? And the translations handle it just a bit differently. For example, the NIV has honor one another above yourselves. So it translates this kind of verbal adjective as putting someone else above you. Uh, the ESV has it as outdo one another in showing honor. So it almost kind of has this idea of taking the first place, taking the lead in terms of outdoing one another. Um, the New American Standard has give preference to one another in love. The, the New English translation says showing eagerness in honoring one another. Uh, Romans 12:10 in the New Living Translation has and take the light in honoring each other. Uh, Romans 12:10 in the Contemporary English Bible says be the best at showing honor to each other. So there's that kind of difference of translation of how we understand this word. And the word is, if we break it down into its components, literally means to go before, uh, to lead the way. And in some other outside of the Bible literature, this word can actually be used of a leadership position. And I think one of the ways that Paul is using this word here is the idea of taking the lead and showing the way. Being, and it's kind of a paradox, isn't it? It's kind of a paradox in the sense of take the lead, be first to let others go first. So it's kind of a paradox. Take the lead to defer to other people. Take the lead to let others go before you. So in terms of honoring one another, take the lead and show the way. And I think in, in my mind, there is an instance that comes to my mind when I think of what Paul is trying to say here. Be first in deferring to others in humility. There's an instance, I, and I'll never forget this. I was in ninth grade, and we were going to church camp. And uh, we were assigned to a cabin. There were 12 guys, I think I remember. And the way this cabin was set up was it was split up into two parts, like two rooms. And so you had six bunks in each room. Well, we kind of ran into a difficulty because there were seven of us from our church, our group that we came with, 
And then there was an, another group from another church from another town that we had never met before, and they had five. So you can see the problem. There's six and six in terms of the bunks, but we had seven and five. And so one of the counselors said, I need a volunteer from your group to, to go into this room and bunk with these other guys from this other church. And you can imagine what we as young teenagers did. We all put our hands by our side and we didn't want to move. We didn't want to volunteer. But I'll never forget this. My best friend, John, raised his hand and said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll sleep in there with, with those guys. And I remember that and really feeling convicted by that, that, that he showed uh, humility. He showed sacrifice in that situation. And he was the first to do it. He was the first to take the lead in that. And I think in a way, that's kind of what Paul is saying here in this verse is don't wait for others to do it. You take the lead in doing it. If there's an opportunity to show honor to someone else, to defer to someone else, uh, you be first. You take the lead. Uh, As Jesus taught his disciples, the first shall be last but the last shall be first. And the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. And so Paul is saying, when there's an opportunity to show humility and to defer to the needs of others, take the lead in that and show others the way. And I think in this particular situation that we're in with this coronavirus epidemic, uh, there are people around us who have needs and we have opportunity to defer and We have an opportunity to seek to meet other needs, other people's needs ahead of our own. We have opportunities to show love to our brothers and sisters in Christ as part of a family. Uh, Just as we would if we had a a family member who was going through a hard time or who was sick under the roof of our house, we would do what was necessary to make sure that that person was taken care of because they're a part of our family. In the same way, Paul is calling us to love one another as a part of the family of God. And so we have opportunity during this time to live out these truths that Paul is teaching us. So he's called us to serve one another, motivated by love, being committed in covenant relationship to one another as the family of God, and doing it with a humble spirit and deferring to one another, being willing to sacrifice your own wants, needs, and desires for those of other people, taking the lead in honoring other people ahead of yourself. Paul teaches us also in this passage, in verse number 11, the importance of serving the Lord. So serving one another, but also serving the Lord. And just like serving one another, the real proper motivation for doing that is love. Throughout Romans, and remember, uh, Romans 12, 11, that Paul is giving us here when he says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. These verses in Romans 12, they're in the context of everything that has come before. In Romans 12, or in Romans chapters 1 through 11, all of that that has come before is context for Paul now telling us to be fervent in spirit and in with zeal serving the Lord. Well, what did Paul tell us in Romans 1 through 11? He showed us 
and explain to us with a clarity and with an exhaustiveness that probably you can't find anywhere else in the Bible, Paul explained to us the grace and the love of God that has been given to us as sinners who do not deserve it. In fact, we deserved God's anger and his just condemnation. But yet Paul shows us in Romans 1 through 11 that God loved us. Even while we were still sinners, Paul says in Romans 5, 8, God showed his love to us in Christ being our Redeemer. So God's love for us is what transforms our hearts to be able to love him and love others. God loved us with an agape kind of love, self-sacrificial, giving, unmerited to those who did not deserve it. And now we are called to love in response, to love God and to love others. And so he says that we need to be loving our heavenly father. He loved us so that we can love him and love others. And as I was thinking about this principle of loving God and being that being our motivation for serving him, I thought about the different ways that we can be motivated to do righteous or spiritual things. Uh, we can be devoted by duty or we can be motivated by duty because we have to. So we, we perform external acts of righteousness or spirituality because we're motivated by duty. Uh, we can be motivated by fear, uh, fear of consequences of doing wrong, uh, fear of uh, being shamed because we didn't do what was right, uh, fear of what other people will think of us, fear of God and his punishment. Uh, we can be motivated by uh, a desire to um, be lifted up in pride and, and put ourselves on display in front of others so that others can see how spiritual we are, kind of like Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. So there are all these different kinds of motivations for doing righteous or spiritual things. But the highest, the greatest, the purest of those motivations is out of love. We love him because he first loved us. And so we serve the Lord out of love. But Paul also tells us in this passage that our service for the Lord needs to be done with full effort and zeal. Full effort and zeal. In verse 11, he says, never be lacking in zeal. The word for zeal here is the idea of doing something with earnestness, with diligence, with effort. Uh, in certain contexts, the word is used of haste, doing something quickly. But the idea is of putting forth your full effort, uh, of doing a good job, doing it with diligence and with uh, an earnestness for the work. And then the word that's tied to it in this verse is laziness or idleness. Literally what Paul is saying here is uh, with, in terms of your zeal, in terms of your effort, in terms of your diligence, don't be lazy. 
in terms of your zeal for the Lord, don't be idle. So do it with all of your strength, all of your effort. It is an earnest commitment to fulfill the responsibilities, the the call that God has placed on our life and to do it with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. So in terms of your earnestness, your diligence, your zeal, don't be lazy is what Paul is saying here. And then he also says that we need to serve the Lord with enthusiasm and wholehearted commitment. Serving the Lord with enthusiasm and wholehearted commitment. He says in verse 11, keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your spiritual fervor. Uh, the, The word that Paul uses here, the phrase is literally in spirit, be enthusiastic, be on fire. Uh, And the question then is, how is Paul using the word spirit? Small s in terms of our human spirit, our heart, you might say, or capital S in terms of the Holy Spirit. And some of the translations take it differently. So the NIV has keep your spiritual fervor. It has the idea of a small s, our our spirit on fire for the Lord. Uh, Similarly, the ESV, be fervent in spirit, small s, our human spirit. But then you have the, the Christian Standard Bible, be fervent in the spirit, but with a capital S. They take it as the Holy Spirit. So also the the contemporary English Bible, be on fire in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Uh, The RSV says, be aglow with the Spirit, capital S. How should we understand uh, what Paul is saying here? I, I take it that he is referring to our human spirit. And I, I take it that in spirit, on fire, I take it kind of together as a figure of speech, as a metaphor for being totally committed to something, uh, totally enthusiastic, putting your all into it. And the only other time that this phrase is used in the New Testament is in the book of Acts chapter 18. In verse 24, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor. See that phrase, great fervor? In the Greek, it's the exact same phrase that we're looking at in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. The word order is just a tad bit different, but the words are the same. In spirit, on fire. And the way that it's understood in Acts chapter 18 is that Apollos is teaching and he is preaching with a passion. He is instructing people in the way of the Lord from the scriptures with a passion, with enthusiasm, with a wholehearted commitment. With great fervor, he taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. 
And so this is uh, how I think Paul is meaning it back in Romans 12, 11 as well. That is that uh, we should be with all of our heart, with all of our spirit, engaged, enthusiastic, on fire, doing what? Serving the Lord, he says. Serving the Lord. And the word Paul uses for serving there comes from the word that is typically used of household servants or slaves. We are now serving the Lord. He is our new loving master. Paul says earlier in Romans chapter 6, we used to be slaves, servants of sin, but now we have been set free to be servants, slaves of Christ, of righteousness. Notice what he says, Romans chapter 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So, we are now called to be servants of God. Having been set free from the bondage of our sin, just like the Israelites were set free from their bondage in Egypt, they have now been set free to serve the living God. We too have been set free from our sin to serve the living God and to do it with a zeal and an enthusiasm, with a diligence that accompanies the kind of full commitment that he gave to us in redeeming us and making us his own precious children. And so in these two verses, Paul is communicating to us that as Christians who have been transformed by the love and grace of God, that's what Romans 1 through 11 teaches. We have been transformed by the love and the grace of God. And now in Romans 12, verses 10 and 11, Paul is teaching us how to live that out. Having been transformed by the love and grace of God, we now serve the Lord with love and zeal. And we serve one another with love and humility. And those two things go together. Loving or serving the Lord and serving one another, they go together. And that's how I want to to finish our time this morning and just thinking about how we do these things. How do we actually live this out? How do we put it into practice? Well, first of all, how do we serve the Lord? Well, we can serve the Lord through different ways. One, in direct relationship to the Lord and nurturing a relationship with him, We can worship him. We can praise him, sing songs of praise to him. We can praise him with our thoughts, our words. We can nurture a relationship with the Lord through the spiritual disciplines, such as prayer, Bible reading and study and meditation, uh, taking times to be alone in solitude with God, maybe times of fasting. These are the classic ways of spiritual disciplines that we can nurture a relationship to the Lord. But also, I think it's no accident that in this passage, Paul links together serving others with serving the Lord. Because 
these two things go together. Just like loving God and loving our neighbor go together, the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, those two things go together. So also serving the Lord and serving one another go together. I think one of the ways that we can really live out service to the Lord is by serving one another. So we are called to help one another and to treat one another as members of a family, to uh, be concerned about the needs of one another. And when we see a need, when we see an opportunity to do an act of kindness, Paul is saying literally in verse 10, be the first to jump in. When there's an opportunity to defer and humble yourself and put someone ahead of you, be the first. Take the lead in that. Be the first one to volunteer, to defer to someone else. And there are times Paul is saying, we just need to go out of our way. With diligence and with zeal, we need to go out of our way, out of what is comfortable for us to meet the needs of a brother or sister in Christ. So during this time in which we're kind of isolated and we're kind of cut off from one another, let's just think about ways that we can still love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that may be as simple as a phone call, um, maybe a card or a note. Uh, It could be something as simple as a text message, uh, a Facebook message, just, hey, how you doing? Just thinking about you. Hope everything's going okay. And there may be times when we find out about a real need that that needs to be met, something that we can do uh, for one another as the body of Christ. And so let's be the first to jump in and try to meet that need, not wait on others and look for someone else to volunteer, but let's be the first one to jump in and volunteer to try to meet that need of a fellow brother or sister in Christ. And so I hope that this uh, passage of scripture is helpful to us, just a reminder to us of what God has called us to. By his love that he has lavished on our hearts, he has now called us to love him and to love others in response. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for all that you have accomplished for us. We thank you that you are the, the gracious, the loving and merciful God, who out of nothing that we have deserved, nothing that we have earned, you chose in your infinite mercy to love us. And not only to love us minimally, but to lavish and to pour out your love on us. And Father, we thank you that you have given us Christ to be our Redeemer, to call us to yourself, to make us your own treasured possession, to make us your own adopted children. And now we're part of a family. And so you've called us to treat one another like members of a family and uh, to seek to serve them. And in with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to love and to serve you with zeal and with fervency of spirit. And Father, I pray that you would help us to do that, that your Holy Spirit would help our spirit to be on fire, zealous for you. God bless your children. Bless our family of believers here at Eastside. 
And I pray that you would quickly, in your good providence, bring this crisis to an end. But Lord, in these times that we find ourselves in, uh, open our eyes to see opportunities that are before us in which we can live out these truths that we've uh, thought about this morning. Lord, as always, may you be honored and glorified in and through your church. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless you this week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.